The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to this year's Eightfold Path program. I was just realizing, I think this is the fifth year that we've done this, counting the first year where Gil created the original program. So uh, it's just wonderful to see so many people wanting to engage over such a long time in a serious way with the practice. So I'm very happy to see you all here. Today we're just going to kind of introduce the program. Um, we didn't used to do this, but I like having the first full program to just devote to right view without having to spend half of it on logistics. So we're having this program today, and we'll just uh, we'll talk about an introduction to the path and an introduction to the program, and then we'll have a little discussion with each other, and that's our plan for today. So I'd like to just introduce myself and my fellow leaders of this year's program. I'm Chris Clifford. I've been practicing here since 1995, more or less. And uh, I, I do this program. I do uh, an online introductory program, a few other things. I'm also involved in managing the kitchen at the retreat center. So I, I just love being involved here in various ways. So. <laughs> And I've been leading this program for the last three years. So my fellow leaders this year are Liz Powell and Bruni Davila. You want to introduce yourself? And then we'll have a short sit. So I'm Liz, and I've been practicing here since 2004. Um, one of the things I've loved about practicing the Eightfold Path here is that um, in volunteering here, you know, leading programs for the young kids and their parents, and um, serving as a cook in the kitchen at IRC, and serving on the board, um, has been a great way to see the Eightfold Path and see the practices in it. So I'm really looking forward to being with you this year. Hi, everyone. I feel just to be here with you. Um, um, I've been practicing at IMC since, I think, maybe 2006. Um, and uh, I've been involved with Eightfold Path uh, for the past uh, two years. And I, I would say that one of the ways in which I've seen it is how it has been embodied, how, how the Eightfold Path is embodied. Um, by different people that have taken the program and how it's manifested in our lives in different ways in my life too. So I'm looking forward to share this, whatever uh, learnings and um, have come up for, for me through the program. Can I mention that Bruni is just joining us from a two-week retreat that ended this morning, so. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I may be a little slow. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's uh, have just a, a, this is a fairly short day. It's an hour shorter than our time we usually be together. We'll usually start at one. So let's have a short uh, settling down sit, okay? So just... Just arriving here, 
Letting your attention just fully connect with being here, the contact of your seat with your chair, your feet on the ground. Just taking a moment to acknowledge however it's feeling for you right now to be embarking on this program. Feeling feeling your heart area, how's that feeling? Checking in with your belly. And just taking these few minutes to connect with your breath or whatever your main meditation practice is. Just fully arrive here. Finding that balance of relaxed and aware. open and yet present and settled back in yourself. Receptive to what happens, what unfolds this afternoon. Right now, just here. letting the sounds of settling in, people arriving, let that wash over you. Finding a relationship with ease with whatever's happening.
So now Liz will introduce working with the path. I'm just curious, how many of you were here yesterday? Oh, quite a few. Okay, well that was starting at the deep end. (laughs) And so we're going to kind of paddle back and take it a little more slowly. (laughs) So anyway, here, here, use this one please. Oh, thank you. I did start fire. The time's a little miscalculated, so that's okay. Can you hear me all right? Okay, if I get too soft, just raise your hand or put your hand behind your ear because sometimes I, my voice doesn't sound as loud to me or as soft to me as it does to other people. Um, so for how many people is this your first time to practice with or study the Eightfold Path? Raise your hand. Great. And how many people is this your second time, second round through? And for how many have you been doing this for a while? This is multiple, you forget which one, but it's, um, you've been through it multiple times. You mean the program? Yeah, the eight, or studying the Eightfold Path anywhere. So these two aren't raising their hand, but I think they've been through it more than once. <laughs> um, my point is uh, actually that we are all on this path together. And um, one of the things I love about the Eightfold Path is that it's as useful at the very beginning as it is after you've been doing it for a while and everywhere in between. So if you think of it like, you know, maybe you walk a path for exercise or you run a path for exercise, and um, when you first started it, you were maybe kind of curious and interested to see what would be on, on your hike, And maybe you're full of energy or curiosity or you're just kind of like, well, I don't know about this hike. I don't know where it's headed. Um, That's one way you might be with this. Another way might be you've been walking it for a while. Actually, maybe you walk it every day. And you feel like you're really pretty familiar with it. And you're kind of like, yeah, I've been on this path. I know this path. Um, I wonder what is going to be new this time. You know, I've been mentoring for the last three years, and each year I kind of come to it with, huh, I wonder what will be different or what I'll discover this time that'll be different. Or maybe you've been on this path so long that you uh, are kind of need rest, and you're sitting down in the middle of the path, and you're just kind of waiting for your energy to gather again um, before you can see the next thing that comes along. So... Um, Each step within the path is both a practice of working with these things with curiosity, but it's also an expression, you know, of how how free you've become. So if you think about your favorite, you know, really esteemed Dharma teachers and think about the way that they um, maybe answer questions after a Dharma talk or the way they talk to you when you come to them for a practice interview... Um, maybe you've experienced that feeling of the expression of the Eightfold Path. They've kind of got it, and they're they're shining with it, or they're embodying it, and it feels really good to see their example. Um, So it's both a practice of learning, and it's also an expression. 
And what's interesting is, um, well, for example, as we're going to work with wise speech. And as you work with wise speech for the first time, you begin to see choices, um, maybe between ways you might speak that uh, are helpful and ways you might speak that don't end up so well for you. Um, after a while, you may start to notice that external wise speech comes rather easily. You usually don't you know, hurt or offend other people. Um, but maybe, you know, as I worked with it for a while, I'm like, oh, wow, my internal speech is not so great. It's kind of harsh. Um, and then maybe, uh, after a while, right speech just becomes an expression of your freedom from suffering. It comes easily. Internally, you're feeling pretty good. Externally, you're expressing yourself well, and your relationships are pretty relaxed, calm, peaceful. And that sort of helps fuel more peace, more calm with other people. Um, so working with this Eightfold Path is noticing what's already working well in your practice. So I'm hoping as we go through this year that you discover that there are pieces of this already with you. Um, it's why you're here today. And um, that it can show you where you might still be stuck um, or where your practice feels like it's okay, but it, you know, there's more. I could be more free or more liberated. So I really appreciate a question that Bhante Gunaratna asks in one of the books we'll be studying, The Eight Mindful Steps to Happiness. He advises us, continually ask yourself, am I happy? And investigate what comes up. So elaborating on that question, am I happy no matter what is happening in my life? So, you know, how do we relate to the fact that the conditions and events of our lives seem to sometimes fall short of satisfying us? Whether that's just a little bit or a lot. <laughs> um, does it depend on trying to get your life just right? Your happiness? Or are you dependent on certain things being in place in your life? like re relating well to just the right people. Like even if you go in for a practice discussion with your meditation teacher, how do you feel about that? You know, how do you relate to that? Um, does it mean that you're endlessly one or two moves away from being really happy? Like if I just change jobs, my life will be so much better. Or if I change partners, things will be right. Or if I move to a new place, I'll feel better. If I retire, that's when life's going to get good. Um, if I'm healthier, maybe if I just lose those 10 pounds, then I'll be, I'll be good. Or if I had more security or more money in the bank, then I could really relax and be happy. So the exploration of the Eightfold Path is an opportunity to get curious and see for ourselves what's happening in our bodies, our hearts, and our minds about not just how the sitting practice is going, but how is this rolling out in our daily lives. Um, not our theories or ideas about how it should be going, 
But actually, what's really happening? What's being felt or expressed by our thoughts, our bodies, our feelings? Um, what's happening in this moment? You know, how is it day to day? How is it as the year goes on? And so I want to say that working with the Eightfold Path is not intended to be passive or academic learning. Um, the more you engage in it, the more uh, there's potential to learn from it. Um, and it's something we actively work with, but even that word work is kind of uh, misleading in that maybe it's about relaxing and opening to being curious about what, what this is, you know, that's going on in your life. Um, so it's not a set of beliefs or rules or shoulds that you're going to be beating yourself up about. It's not only what we do as we practice with each of these Eightfold Path factors, but it's also how you are with that exploration as you discover different things. So, you know, like maybe you've had sitting practice um, where you've done a sit and you've thought, oh, you know, that was kind of a bad sit. I was thinking a lot or I was struggling with pain in my body or I um, just couldn't get concentrated the way I wanted to. And that's the, you know, those experiences are showing you an attitude. Maybe your attitude is disappointment, or maybe it's frustration, or maybe it's, I'm just going to push myself harder here. I know I can get this better if I push harder. Um, or maybe you've had the experience of a, a really wonderful sitting. It's like, oh, that felt so easeful and so light. It was almost like I was floating. And maybe you thought, from, I think from now on my practice is going to be a lot more easeful, right? Or maybe, maybe it even does go easier for a while. And your attitude might be one of kind of self-congratulations, like I finally got it, or, you know, relief. Oh, thank goodness my body doesn't hurt when I sit anymore. Um, or an expectation that things will be that way for a while. And maybe you even roll along for a while in practice, and it's not bad. But then you hit a phase when it's rougher, it's more confusing, or you're just, it's a little muddy, you're not sure. Um, so the equivalent in practicing the Eightfold Path is the attitude that a path factor is some kind of Buddhist rule and you've messed up. You haven't been doing it right. Um, or conversely, that because you've practiced the Eightfold Path factors before, you've been there, done that, you got it, you're self-satisfied, now that you've experienced a little relief or happiness in your life, I don't know, this is boring, what's the next thing I'm going to see here? If you can keep in mind that it's not a set of shoulds or beliefs um, to keep, you know, flagellating yourself with, um, it could be helpful. Um, it may also be helpful to cultivate this relationship of curiosity, just relaxed curiosity. Um, you might see more deeply into the really subtle ways that you're not yet as happy as you could be or not yet as free as you could be. Um, this path allows us to see the ways, see beyond the ways that life seems unsatisfactory. Um, like there's nothing reliable enough um, that we and ourselves and everything else keeps changing. 
And life contains these separations, these disappointments, you know, uh, unpleasant encounters, really wonderful things that come to an end, failures to get what we want. Um, the, the things that come to an end are body aging, um, getting sick, dying. And the Eightfold Path gives us an exploration that helps us get free of that whole cycle. So instead of thirsting for things to change for the better or holding on to anything for dear life, even the practice, um, and fighting with reality, um, we can move towards what's regarded as the highest happiness, and that's total freedom. And what are we totally free from when we get to that place? I've heard it's absence of greed, aversion, and delusion. So at each step of the Eightfold Path, there are three factors that can help us. Um, understanding, so we're starting with some understanding. Effort, you know, we're not just lying around, letting it go by. And mindfulness, paying attention to what's happening. Those are three things that help us relax, help us receive experience kind of openly, and learn from it. So the, the tools, those are the tools that will help us see where greed, aversion, and delusion are happening and causing our stress. And the path will help us remove suffering by understanding and aligning with reality just the way it is, just the way it's happening in your life right now. Um, and that freezes up to freezes up to live more wisely. So instead of being pre propelled from sense pleasure to sense pleasure, good thing from good thing, um, instead of straining with self discipline, uh, the path points to the middle way, which is foregoing these pendulum swings um, between ways of grasping and resisting reality. And the path is built in three main stages. So it's, in a way, we could say it's almost four because it starts and ends with what's called the wisdom stage, which is comprised of what's called right understanding or right view and right intention or right resolve. I want to say that word right does not mean right or wrong, good or bad. It means what's useful for doing the job right, or what's useful for getting the job done, what's helpful. So this basic perspective called right understanding is probably what brought you here in the first place today. Um, there was something in you that said, you know, my life has, still has some conditions, still has some stress or suffering that I, I, want, I want to be living a better life. I want it to go differently than this. Um, so that's, you know, this first degree of a little bit of wisdom or understanding to start with. If we didn't think that there was something that could change, if we didn't know firsthand that what we do has consequences, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here with kind of a basic level of right understanding. We also need a little bit of what's called right intention or right resolve. Like, we, we are actually setting out determined to walk the path, right? We uh, intend to head in the right direction, in a helpful direction. Um, we'd like to have a way of life that lets go of stress, that lets go into a kinder 
and more compassionate life. Um, and that, that's why we embark on the Eightfold Path. So, so with that basic level of wisdom, that first stage, we then start working with what are called the morality factors. And those include right speech, right action, and right livelihood. So we get to see how and where stress is created in the ways that we talk, both to other people and to ourselves, in the way that we act in the world, what we do, um, what we produce and consume, or how we take care of other people. And um, as we engage in more wholesome uh, speech, for example, and action, we're a more skillful production and consumption, we're less distracted, we're more confident, we're more relaxed, and we are less entangled in our own misery and that of other people. So from there, from the morality factors, we then move to the factors of the concentration stage. So that's um, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And, you know, these are factors that help unify the mind further. So right effort focuses our energy on the path. Um, it frees the mind of unhelpful thoughts. Right mindfulness helps us see the path factors as they unfold in the moment-to-moment -moment living. And right concentration leads us into even deeper focus and that unfolds into, again, the wisdom section of the path. I said it began and end with wisdom. The wisdom factors, again, of right understanding and right intention. And we started with enough wisdom to be able to see why we, we would even show up for this exercise. And then we later become able to experience each of the path factors as a lived experience of the noble, the Four Noble Truths. So a lived experience of suffering when it comes up, a lived experience of the cause of that suffering, a felt experience of the end of that suffering, and of the Eightfold Path then starting to manifest into this beautiful, these beautiful qualities of the Eightfold Path that we see in teachers we admire and how that can bring us to the end of suffering. So having said all that, the Eightfold Path is not linear. <laughs> so it's not exactly that way. Each path factor builds on and deepens the others. And it's kind of like interwoven strands of a rope. Or it's like a spiral where we keep coming around to the beginning and, and each time we go through the spiral we get more happy. We deepen how we're working with it. And I, I think what's wonderful about being here today is knowing that you're in a group of people that are willing to do this together. So uh, maybe you get to, you'll have the opportunity to share and be inspired by other people to say honestly how it's going for you and find that that gets normalized by other people who have similar experiences or who have other experiences that sort of shed light on all the facets of this. Um, so you know, my hope is that this group, for all of us, every single one of us sitting here or listening online, that it's a wellspring of encouragement and also patience with ourselves and each other as we go through this path.
Thank you, Liz. So now Bruni's going to talk a little bit about some of the logistics of the program and and uh, whatever she's inspired to talk about. <laughs> okay. So. So where, where do we start? You know, after after today, after um, listening, you know, being together here. So where where do we go from here? Just start where you are. This is nothing. Um, you know, is is not a big embarkment or you know like a big. Um, journey or something huge or um, start whatever you are, whatever it is for you. Make it simple. Make it fun. And um, one of the things I love about the program is the creativity that comes with it um, when we engage in it. The program um, the path, we create the path as we walk, as we walk it, as we engage in it. Um, so, you know, it, it is different. We have, I don't know how many people we have here, but we may have like 30, 40 different Eiffel paths here. So uh, each one with your uniqueness and, um, you know, all of you, all of you there. And all of us together, you know, there's a, an aspect of, of us walking together and creating the path, too. So um, some of the benefits that you're going to see as you go, as you, as you engage in it, and different elements that I'm going to be talking about um, is that, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity to, to understand our beliefs, to understand our patterns, um, <clears throat> understand how we relate to our own experience, uh, and, and also to see that we don't relate the same, in the same way every time we have a similar experience. Every moment is a new moment you know, with its new, unique conditions. So not to take for granted that because we have an experience in the past because I've been engaging in the program for, you know, several years that, oh, great, I know exactly how to do it. I'm a beginner. Every moment is a new moment. So um, there's also with the understanding of beliefs and patterns, there's also a development of, of compassion and loving kindness. And, and I will say the, the, the four abodes, the measurable um, abodes, uh, loving kindness and compassion and mudita, joy and equanimity. That, that is, is a great 
benefit that uh, I will say that uh, I've seen uh, in practicing. And then there is an aspect of um, cultivating and refining how you live your life with integrity. How there's, I see it's been a great benefit that I have experienced. Just to, it's almost like polishing a diamond. It's like really looking at this life in in a in a with you know with respect and um, really valuing the goodness and the effort that we do. That sometimes, you know, there's so much going on in our lives that we just, you know, those simple things, those simple steps, um, sometimes we say, oh, that's, that was just a little thing. Those things count. So um, I, um, I will say that that has been a great benefit just to see all the different, the small, the medium, the big ones, you know. Uh, moments in which you see the, the path um, in your life. <clears throat> There's an aspect in, in Buddhism about um, going for refuge to the Buddha Dharma Sangha. And through the different ele- elements of the program, um, there's, there's an aspect of that. Um, um, I just wrote today. So we're going to have uh, weekly reflections and practices. You're going to be getting an email every week. It's great. It's a great reminder. One of the things uh, of the program is that um, remembering is, is easier uh, because, you know, you get these emails um, that kind of set the structure. It, it gives you kind of an opportunity to, you know, uh, engage into the into the program so on a weekly basis you're gonna have an opportunity to go into into seeing what what is what is for you to to practice wise view or right view what what are your beliefs and patterns um it, that that will be that is the heart of, of the program those weekly emails that you're gonna get and um, that will um, address this aspect of the Buddha, the, the capacity, the capacity that we have to to awake, to 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 see, to see clearly. So um, you're gonna get, I think. There's a handout that we put at that chair, and it has a, the list of all these elements. So um, then you're going to also, we're going to be a meeting on a monthly basis. We're going to be having the monthly group meetings, and we're going to be talking about a factor each month. And that, excuse me, 
that will be an opportunity for us to engage into the Sangha, be in Sangha, be in community, exploring, practicing together in different ways. Um, so this will include the teachings, meditations. We will have uh, time for Q&As. Um, and then uh, we also, uh, we will have, oh, we're recording the talks. So you, you can go back and listen to the talks and listen to what we covered. Um, you know, if you're not able to be here or um, if you want to listen to, you know, listen to our discussion. Um, and there's also a reminder email days before each meeting. So just in case, you know, you're having a hectic day. I've been in sometimes, you know, that, oh, there's so much going on. Oh, it, the end of the month is here. Um, Eightfold Path is next Sunday. It's just great. Um, it's just, these emails are almost like these meditation bells that we use to, oh, here, we are here. Um, so the Sangha, we will also have a day-long um, retreat, a day-long um, at the end of the program. And meet, in the meat of the program, um, half of the program, we will have a potluck uh, here. Um, so you will, we will let you know ahead of time how those things are going to play out. And then the Dharma. The Dharma, um, there's going to be a monthly reading for each factor. There's going to be a monthly reading. And we have, um, we have two books that we recommend, we suggest you, you may want to, to use. Um, one is the Bhikkhu Bodhi's book, The Noble Eightfold Path. This has it on her hand, on her hands. Um, and um, that is freely available at access to insight.org. And then um, you also can use the book from uh, Bantiji, Bante Gunaratana, Eightfold Mindful Steps to Happiness, Walking the Buddha's Path, um, which you also can get you know, online. So also another way to study the teachings, to study the Dharma, um, is through audio recordings for each factor of, of the path. Um, there, there's uh, recordings of Gil's, um, Gil Fronsdal, um, who for some of you that may, know, may not know him, uh, he's one of the teachers here. So um, that is going to also be available. Let's see what else. Mentoring. What? Mentoring. Oh, and the of course. <laughs> and the mentoring. And then what you uh, also maybe one of the reasons why you also sign up for the program is a mentor. You're going to have a mentor. Um, so a mentor will be assigned to you, and, and then you can coordinate with this person how to, how to connect, how to talk about the program, and, and so forth. Um, so, and mentors, you know, um, they also come to, 
to the monthly meetings um, too sometimes. So it's, you know, it's, it's us, it's all of us together practicing. So um, what else is there? I think that. Well, I would, yeah, are there any oh. mentors here today? Think, any mentors? Besides us, maybe only Judy and Arthur. But anyway, there's a group of about 10. Is anybody here, here who has not clear. signed up? Okay, has anybody not signed up who would like to sign up oh, to get a mentor? Okay, it's, it's fine. Yeah, there's several options. It's fine to just audit the class without the mentor thing, if that's what you want to do. I need to get you on the mailing list. So if you haven't got on the mailing list and you want to audit with the mailings, come up and tell me afterwards. Is there anybody who would like to be assigned a mentor who has not filled out the application? Okay, the application is gonna stay open through tomorrow so that you can, after this class, there's always a few people who didn't sign up. So you can sign up tomorrow and then we'll be meeting later in the week and making the mentor assignments and those will come out to you at the end of the week or early next week. Is that? If you've done an application, you will be assigned a mentor. It just hasn't happened yet. Okay. Okay. Gil's been on retreat for the last two weeks, and we, I need to meet with him about it. So uh, is that? That's. We have time for questions later. Why don't you finish? Later? Yeah. I just have um, one or two more things to mention. So in terms of useful attitudes, you know, what, what will be beneficial in terms of how, you know, what, kind of attitudes you may consider in engaging uh, the program. Uh, like Liz mentioned, I think, if, if it was Liz or, um, you know, uh, curiosity, an attitude of curiosity and, and um, also to see, try, try things and see what you think. You know, what, what do you confirm? You know, just check it out, check it for yourself and see how it is for you just because something is in a, in a specific, in, in a way for me, it doesn't mean that it's gonna be the same for you. Another useful attitude is um, flexibility. Flexibility in terms of um, not so useful to think, oh, I'm gonna do this program, I'm gonna fix my life. This is gonna be hunky-dory from now on. You know, I'm gonna fix everything, change everything. Things, I don't know, sometimes things unfold in its own time, own way. Um, so maybe, you know, to be flexible and open, spacious with how um, you, you engage the program. Um, And of course, there may be moments in which there are, you know, moments to stretch, you know, moments to see what, you know, what is this for? Well, I don't know about this. And, you know, those moments are some of the richest moments for, for learning and, and to share in Sangha too. So um, I'm happy to, to be here doing this with you. So thank you. Thank you, Bernie. So in our longer days, we'll have a break. But since it's a shorter day, I, I thought we could hold out. But if anybody needs to take
take a little break. This would be the moment. But what we're going to do next is uh, have a little component that is proven to surprisingly valuable to everyone. You might not think so. You might be a little hesitant. But we're just going to talk to each other. <laughs> and so <laughs> get to know your fellow participants and develop a little feeling of sangha. So what we do is we break up in small groups. You've probably been through this if you've been to any of Gil's Dharma practice days. We get in small groups, and we give you a very uh, relatively softball kind of question, which you can think about, and just share your reflections on it. So usually these groups, um, I just want to explain a little bit. The, the attitude toward in these groups is to also practice respectful listening and different, you know, we can start working on right speech right from the beginning. So we'll have a structure that we'll explain, which is often, and it will be today, that we go around and just give each person a turn to be heard. You know, so you, you, it's not necessarily a back and forth discussion to begin with, but there's time for everybody to kind of, in their own way, get their own thoughts together and express themselves and listen, and then the next person talks. And then there are other times when we'll have more opportunity for back and forth feedback. Okay, so let's break up into groups of four. And we've got all this space, and you can probably hear me out there. So just, uh, just completely randomly gather into groups of four. <laughs> and just turn to the people next to you right now. We'll try to mix it up more later. But. If it's if uh, if you're f- if there's an odd number of people, just you know, join a group near you and let there be five or three. How's it w- working out here? There's one group of three there. Three group, two groups of three. Okay, that's all right. Probably better three than five because I want to give you a lot of, enough time here. Yeah, okay, if there are any groups of, there's a group of three, she's joining them. Well, he was joining them. Wait, okay, is there, an, is there another group of three? You were just going to join them. Okay, everybody's all set, except there's one person who doesn't have a home. So why don't you join, why don't you join this group here? It's okay. Did she join them? Yeah, okay. Okay, so do introduce yourselves. Just go around and say your names. Just introduce yourselves, and then I'll give you the question. Okay. All right. Okay, so let's come to silence for a minute. 
And here is the question, and we'll have three minutes for each person in the group to answer this question. Okay, so I will ring the bell just to make sure that we get around to everybody. Yes? Yeah, that's that's true. That's a good point. Um, all right, we'll take a, about a minute right now. Okay. Let me ask the question, though, first. <laughs> I think this question is probably pretty much on your mind, so it's not, I don't think it's going to take a lot of thought, so maybe just half a minute since we're, I want to do a couple of things here. The question is, what has inspired you to take this program at this time? Okay, what has brought you here today? It's, it's meant as a kind, you know, a reflection for you on what, what, if you've all had a chance to go around. So stay in your groups for a minute. Um, I want to do one more thing, and this time I do definitely want to take a couple minutes for you to think about it. So um, the next question is going to be to think of one or more things that will actually help you remember to engage with this program every day. Just practical practical things that it's so easy to get an email once a week and you know the month goes by and then you go and see your mentor and say well I really didn't uh, think about this at all so uh, it's you know the more you can remember to engage with it the richer the experience will be so just think for a minute of one or two things that will really help you that you can make a commitment to how to remember that you're doing this program every day and then We'll go around, not taking a long time, just go around and around, say your thing and let the next person, and maybe you can collect several suggestions within the group, okay? So, so one of my favorite parts of this program is really appreciating how much wisdom there is in this whole community. You know, we spend a lot of time sitting and listening to somebody up in front talking, but it, it, the wisdom is all through everybody here, and I just, I've learned so much from hearing you know, what other people have to say. So uh, it's a rich part of this. And right now, I'd just like, if some of you would like to share, especially maybe the second one or whatever, you know, something from the first part really is something you want to share, feel free to bring that in too. But I think it would be great to get some, some of these suggestions for how to engage shared with the wider group. And we'll pass the mic because we're recording it because we do have people participating from afar. Okay, the... Um Reminder that I have to be mindful is actually borrowed from a um, San Francisco Zen Center, which is uh, entering through doorways and making sure to enter on the side of the hinge. And that's, you know, bringing yourself presence, crossing a threshold, and remembering to be mindful. And Thank it's you. easy. Thank you. Who else would like to share something that came up in your group or how you plan to help yourself remember this? Thank you. Somebody? Um, well, someone suggested making it a part of your routine. So pick yeah. a day, time every day yeah. and um, think about breathing or... Mm -hmm. some meditation mm -hmm. 
Also, I'm specifically thinking about engaging. You'll be seeing there's reflective questions that come out every week for you to help you engage with each path factor. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit beyond just, it's great to remember to meditate and be mindful, but also have I actually reflected on these reflections, you know, at some point during the week. Our group was thinking we would email to one another um, some of our experiences throughout the day um, for each of the Um, something that helps me with this kind of thing is just having some kind of dedicated notebook, binder, folder. So it's in one place, maybe all the, maybe print out all the handouts too and keep them all in the same place along with a journal. Good idea. Thank you. The notebook part got to me. I, <laughs> I, w I had seen the um, book a book of the Eightfold Path, one of the two books on my bedside table. And I do like to read um, Buddhist readings before I go to bed because it helps um, settle and it creates the opportunity for lovely dreams. And, and I thought it would, be, um, it would be a good opportunity to deepen that with um, some small amount of writing, uh, which, would, which would allow for perhaps even greater fertilization. So I'm committing to experimenting with that. I, I forgot to mention this in the group, but I have the Insight Timer, and it um, it's an app on my phone, and it gives me an alarm in the morning, and, and the message says, uh, meditate before all else. <laughs> but it actually works, because I just got a notice. I have logged 932 sessions on my Insight Timer. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, it's just, it's there in the morning, it's the first thing I see, you know, and it, and it also shows me how um, consistent I am, and there's a way, there's kind of a social networking piece so that you can connect to friends, and um, so I can see when they meditate, they can see when I meditate, and when I, not, it's helpful because when I see other people, friends of mine meditating, it motivates me, right? It just reminded me of something that has been helpful to me, and that is just reading the question, the reflection questions before I meditate, not trying to think about them in meditation, but just read them, do the meditation, and then sometimes something bubbles up. Anybody else want to share anything? Yeah. Uh, we've talked about reading and writing, and then also, uh, you know, relating to the um, timer. But um, uh, one thing is is actually speaking. Uh, like I say, the three refuges before I go to sleep. Um, that actually, that's a different process like your brain lights up differently when you're using language when you're speaking than if you're reading and writing so it's just another way
I'll share a couple of tips that have helped me or that people mentioned in the past. You can, you can actually cut out these daily, print out these daily emails and like paste it on your mirror or something so that you see it in the morning and remind you that this is happening. You know, so there's one idea. <laughs> yes, right. That's what you see instead, right. Paste it right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, are there any questions in general about the path or the logistics or anything about the program that we can answer today? Yes, Sylvie. So um, I had a lot of those uh, same ideas, but I felt it was difficult to answer this question right now, not knowing uh, what the program is going to be. You know, it would be nice to know, for example, what's the content of that weekly email? Or, and then I could say, okay, well, maybe in this there is a tip I'm going to do in the morning, and then there is a reading I'm going to do on Thursday night or whatever. But not knowing, it's kind of like... That know. is true, right, right. Once so I see it next week, I think it would be a great question to ask again. Yeah, so we'll, re we'll revisit this question maybe after we've gotten started. And it's, uh, so there's the read. It's, it is good to think of some, how you're going to get some of the reading done and when you might want to do it. So this meeting will actually kick off each factor, so to speak. So the, when we'll start with this meeting on right view in October, whatever it is, we'll introduce the subject of right view. And then you'll start getting the weekly emails about right view. And sometime, however it works for you, you ought to do the reading of one of these chapters. At least read Gil's little write-up on it. Maybe listen to Gil's talk. So pace yourself throughout the month with some inspirational we don't tell you when to read what you know we tell you this is the reading for the month and you pace yourself on it and then there's a weekly uh thing ways to reflect on the chapter questions to have in the back of your mind as you go about your day for how is this factor really working for you and how is it showing up in your life you know, so really, I, I appreciate that it's hard to know without seeing them. But they're the kind of things you just want to be noticing about. How is it? How am, I, how am I with speech? How am I with action? What is my intention? Those kind of things to just keep in mind during the week. Right. It can also really be helpful if you uh, schedule it so that you do enough of that before you're meeting with your mentor. Or conversely, schedule your meeting with your mentor so you've had enough time to really engage in that because then you can uh, use your mentor's uh, help more fruitfully, I guess. Go ahead. Hi. <clears throat> Is this working? Yeah. Hi, thank you for answering your question. Uh, I have two questions, and the first one is, um, is the structure of the program going to be linear? So we're going to first do view, then intention, then action, and yeah. And so can we practice in a little bit um, non-linear way, and what's a good way to do that? Because, for example, right now I feel like I really want to delve into concentration because I noticed how distracted I am, so I feel like that's the first thing I should look into, but 
yeah, just if you could comment on how to practice and is it a good thing to stick with just a linear structure or, yeah. Well, that's a great question, a really great question. The linear structure is pretty artificial, you know. It's the way that we have come up with with this program to teach it. But you are really always engaging, you know, with all the factors at, at once, really. And they influence and support each other. And also, I doubt if this is your only practice, so I wouldn't really suggest that you make, like, say it's right speech month. I wouldn't, I'm not recommending that you narrow your whole Dharma practice to right speech during that month. That, that's not as useful as just having a month where that's highlighted, you know. And, but in order to do that, how can you do that without mindfulness, without concentration, without effort, without intention? So one of the themes that will certainly be coming out is how interrelated all these faculties are. So, you know, please don't take this program as meant to be a restriction on your practice, you know, or that you should only go about it one way. If you're inspired for how it works for you to go about it, you know, go about it that way and talk about it with your mentor. And as far as the, uh, you know, input that you'll get from us and the readings and so forth, we will take it linearly, one factor a month. But realistically, they all, they're all up all the time, <laughs> different ways. Is that helpful enough right now? Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Did you have and a second question? I do. <laughs> uh, just if you could comment on the two books and how they're different or similar or... So mm. we can yeah, that's another great question. <laughs> uh, um, I'll say something, and then maybe Liz wants to add something. You want everybody has views on this. Um, I, I don't know. The Bhikkhu Bodhi book is very. It's like a distilled, extremely kind of terse. You know, a little bit dense. I mean, I love that book. But it's, you either love it or, or it doesn't work for you, is kind of how I think a lot of people relate to it. So it's, Bhikkhu Bodhi is a great scholar of Buddhism of our time. He's the translator of all of the suttas into English that we mostly use. And this is his distillation of what the Eightfold Path is. So it's, uh, you know, if I had one desert island book, you know, that would probably be close to, if I had to get a small desert island book. But on the other hand, the um, Bhante Gunaratna book is a lot more uh, examples, daily life kind of ways to approach it. Now, both of them are monks, you know, so they're coming at it from a certain monastic perspective. But I think the Bhante Gunaratna might be more accessible. It's more, you know, conversational, more stories. Does that sound fair? So I'd be, love to hear what you two have to say completely agree with what she said and um, I'd encourage you to to read both you know even if as you read one or the other you're just kind of letting it wash through you and you may find one of them is more engaging or deeply meaningful to you than the other but you know it's it seems to be person by person because this was the first one I read and even though I was relatively newer or earlier in my practice it was great how compact and rich it is. So just let yourself have both experiences and then see what works for you. And I also want to point out the third reading is Gill's two-page summary of each factor. And that is really the essential thing. If you only have time to read one, read that. That's really a very accessible, 
you know, summary of how to approach the factor. And then the other books are much more expansive and enriching on how to work at it. And you might very well find them controversial, you know, so don't shy away from noticing. This is a great thing to take up with your mentor. If you read one of these books and they're talking about something that just rubs you the wrong way, that's very rich material to think about and discuss, you know, so just take this, uh, take in as much as you can of all this. Um. I want to add to that that, you know, these books Thank also complement each other. There may be some times in which you're in the mood for a daily life, more explanation of the Eightfold Path, and then there are other times in which I have felt like, oh, let me, let me see a more scholarly version of it. So, you know, it depends on the day, too. Will you be? Will we be meeting with our mentors before the next meeting in October? And and did I understand that we're actually starting the the first practice at the next meeting, or are we supposed to also be you know doing any particular things between now and then? Thank good, you. Good questions. Um, we're actually starting right view at the next meeting. However, there are two of Gill's little essays that are referenced on your page. There, everybody should get this handout that are his introduction to the path and something else. So it would be great to read those between now and the next meeting. And your mentors may contact you. This is going to be a little bit variable by mentor during, between now and October, whether they have time to contact you and uh, maybe have an introductory phone call or something before. you know. So you may or may not hear from your mentors or have a little meeting before the October meeting. And then after that, the idea is hopefully you can schedule the meetings sometime during around the last week of each month. So at least that's the way I think most of us like to do it, is that you have, you have three weeks or so to practice with the factor, and then you try to have a meeting somewhere toward the end of the month with your mentor. And it's, you, know, you haven't covered everything, but you've covered enough that you have something to talk about. Yeah, and you know, if... Do the best you can. If you, you know, you were able to read a portion of, you know, the readings and um, still go and, and meet with your mentor. It's, it's not, you know, it's not like you have to have everything done before meeting with your mentor. Just be at ease with it. Enjoy it, really. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, I, on the one hand, I feel like I want to encourage you to engage with it. But on the other hand, you know, I, we, we can just talk, you know. I, I mean, everybody feels that we can just talk, you know. So just if you haven't done your homework, don't try not to take this like school. I haven't done my homework, you know, even though I've kind of been sounding that way. <laughs> I, I, I usually intend to sound the other way, actually, which has come anyway. <laughs> So, you know, do your best, but come and come and engage, you know, an hour a month engaging with talking about it, even if you haven't done anything, is probably worth your time. So, but do your homework, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, I have a question regarding the books. So I'm wondering, uh, since, you know, you said you've done this program several times, um, have you experienced either, um, like, okay, I read a lot of books, so just reading the whole thing and then going through a program or 
uh, I think, Chris, you mentioned um, there would be a read the chapters related to that particular uh, thing that we're studying that month. Um, can you comment on maybe if you had two different approaches, how it went for you? Or if you tried, is, has one of you read the book before uh, taking the program completely? Uh, or did you read it chapter by chapter how the program was kind of set? Well, for the book of Bantiji, I had read that book before the program, and when I started engaging into the program, it was like, did I really read this before? I don't remember anything. It was like reading the book like for the first time. So I, I don't know how it is for you, but... Um, you know, there may be a, a moment in which, you know, reading the chapter before coming to, to the month uh, meeting will be nice. Or um, maybe after discussion, you know, some people, um, it works better for them to have kind of the overall picture first by talking about it and then going into the details and reading, so. The books are divided uh, by section by the eight factors, and there each one of them does have an intro chapter before the first factor, so that's helpful too. And I, I did just what Bruni did. I think I skim, I skimmed the Biku Bodhi book before I first did the factors, and then read each chapter more intently um, with each month, and that that was helpful. But if you read only the chapter for the month, it would still work. It's just, you know, I'm, <laughs> I love what Chris said about, you know, come to a session even if you haven't read it. And it, it sort of tells you the difference between which part of you is operating at the time. Are you still in, like, i got to be a good student mode, which I'm always in. <laughs> I'm like, i got to finish the reading. Or can you relax and just be with your life and be with the factor and work with it however it, it works? Yeah, the the real textbook for this course is your own experience, you know. So if that's the book that you're reading most of the time, this is not an academic exploration. So if you have to choose one thing, reflect on the reflections. Okay, I want to mention that we have two other sister sanghas that are doing this program in a kind of way that's sort of coordinated with us. So Kim Allen is offering a version in Santa Cruz that's closely tracking our schedule. And Lori Wong is offering a version in the Central Valley in Modesto that's kind of got a little bit different schedule. And anyway, maybe all these people will come to the retreat at the end. So anyway, we're not the only ones doing this. There's several programs, so it's growing. It's a movement. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Well, really appreciate meeting all of you, and I'll be around if you have any questions, and I really look forward to this year together. Thank you. <laughs>